Good. Smile at me so I can see where you is. Awesome. You know, at church, we should be happy, right? Good, John. It's good, good, good to be back in church. You know, the Bible says, I think it's Psalms 122, 1. It says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us, what, go into the house of the Lord. So we're supposed to be, in other words, we should be happy, right? I think, you know, um, I was... Uh, I was at a couple of churches this, uh, this last weekend, and um, there was a big contrast between the two churches. Uh, you know, a lot of the people in one of the churches I was in, it looked like they could, you know, uh, been mugged by a butterfly. Uh, it was just, it was just, it was, they were tense, they were just stressed out, and, and I think that happiness is a choice, Amen. Philippians 2.5 tells us, have this attitude that was in Christ Jesus. So that means we can have it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can have it. So have it. Tell them, have it. Because I'm happy. We got it. You know, we may need some Pharrell Williams this morning. I don't know. We'll see if that's necessary. I'll just, I'll gauge you today. Can I do that? <laughs> well, I'm going to get going in just a second, but I do want to, um, I do want to highlight something special this morning, uh, kind of unique. Every, every once in a while, um, I want to present some opportunities uh, to the body uh, where you can uh, pray for and, and support certain things. And it's very rare that we do this because uh, of, the, of the kind of church and the structure that we have. But um, we have a person in our body uh, who is um, getting ready to go on the mission field and into our, into our own mission on a full-time capacity. Um, this particular individual, she has um, had an encounter with God on a mission trip. How many have ever been to our mission in the Dominican Republic? Would you just raise your hand? Look around and just see how many people have been. It's quite a few people have been. If you have not uh, been on a mission, how many have been on a mission trip? Ever been on a mission trip? Raise your hand. Okay, so it's not that many more that have been on a mission trip. So uh, this, this particular uh, outreach or expression of our church in the Dominican Republic, we just took um, my wife and I under my son's leadership, uh, 17 young adults to the Dominican Republic just a, a short time ago. They raised all their own money. Money was never the problem. People always say, I can't afford to go. Money's never the problem. Vision is always the problem. It's really quiet in here, but that was a really good point. Uh, money is never the problem. Vision is always the problem. Amen. And so if young adults can do it, we as adults with more wherewithal and, and capacity should be able to do it as well. It is a life-changing experience. I got to see these, this next generation literally just kill it for Jesus in an incredible way. Anyway, this, this particular individual uh, went down to uh, um, the Dominican Republic in October of 2013. She was fortunate enough to do so on a ladies' missions trip. And uh, on their first night on the island, she went to the roof of the house that we own down there to have her devotions, and while she was praying, the first night, God spoke to her and basically, uh, you know, encouraged her to, to make this a, a part of her uh, life, and, and she decided that she felt like God was telling her to teach English down there, and, and anyway, not wanting to make a rash decision or just kind of rush or whatever, she, she prayed about it, and every time she prayed about it, she got the confirmation that was what she was supposed to do. So we have, um, uh, and this has happened before, but we have um, a full-time missionary that we're going to be blessing and sending to the Dominican Republic, and she's here in the service this morning, and I just want to have her come down front, and if there's any elders or small group leaders or key staff could come down and join, we're going to lay hands on her and just pray for her. Jenna Seymour is going to come, and would you just give it up for her? 
Where's Pastor Deej? Is Deej around? Hi, honey. She's almost as tall as me right now. <laughs> She's beautiful. Jenna, um, Pastor Deej, come on down here, buddy. Pastor Deej? Pastor Deej is deaf. Pastor Deej, I need you. He's like a musician, but he's always got something in his ear. Anyway, <laughs> um, this is just so exciting. The Bible says how, how, you know, how beautiful you know, it is for the feet of him who bring, or her, who bring good news. And so she's going to bring good news to the Dominican Republic. And I just want you to be praying for Jenna. Um, this is a very rare thing for uh, a single female to go down into the Dominican Republic and sow her whole life in investing kids. I just think it's powerful. On one trip, she had an encounter with God such that she would be desirous to do that. Is that that not a noble thing? I just think it's incredible. I just think it's incredible. And, um, and as a member of our church, we will keep you in touch with what's going on with her. Uh, we'll try to let you know how you can contact her, pray for her. You may want to invest uh, in her life. She has raised all her own funds. She's, she's raising her own support. She's not asked for a dime from this church. Uh, and I'm not going to ask for a dime for her on behalf, you know, from the church. But I am going to say, would you talk to God about it? You know, we never ask anybody to give, but we ask people to talk to God and just do what he says. And so if you feel, a, you know, some kind of a um, compulsion or desire to contribute to um, this young woman and her uh, ministry to the Dominican Republic, then uh, just just uh, put something on a connection card for you. We'll make that more formal uh, so that that becomes more easy and accessible. But if you put that on a connection card or you just want to, you feel something like you need to do right today, put an offering in, in, in the... Um, a connection box, make it out to Connect Community Church, but just put missions, uh, Jenna, or something like that, and we'll make sure it gets 100% to meeting her needs down there in the Dominican Republic. But how many know that God will supply her needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus? Amen. So just extend your hands to Jenna, and as we pray for her, we're just going to bless her. Lord, we thank you so much. Uh, for this woman of God. It's such an awesome thing in this generation to see someone who would just uh, respond to the call of God. I think you're always speaking, God. I think that just like radio waves that are going through uh, the air that we cannot see, uh, but if we tune in, we can hear uh, what's, what's being said. Uh, the same thing is happening for us when it comes to our life and our purpose and the plans of God for our life, but few of us tune in. Few of us get on your frequency, but she did, Lord. And not only did she hear, but she's chosen to obey. I pray that you honor that obedience, God. Would you honor it? Would you meet all her needs, Lord, um, physically, uh, financially, uh, emotionally, Lord, relationally? I thank you that you've, you will, uh, you equip the call, that you qualify the called, God. And I just pray that uh, the gifts and calling of God that's on her life, Lord, would be used mightily down there to change lives. Lives not only in the immediate sense, but from a generational standpoint, it'd be passed down generation to generation. Lord, may her reward be great in this life and in the life to come. May you just pour out a blessing upon her that she cannot contain, Lord. Thank you so much for Jenna Seymour. I pray your blessing on her life. We lift her up, God. I pray that she would prompt the body at different times to stop and pray for her and to just lift 
lift her up and, and, and maybe stop and, and write a note or send something through Facebook and, and encourage her. Or maybe stop, God, and contribute and, and give to this, uh, to this woman of God and the plan of God for her life. We thank you in Jesus' name for what you're going to do. We look forward to uh, a good return on this investment, Lord, the fruit of her life, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen and amen. Come on, give a big hand to Jenna. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jenna comes from a ministry family. Her father serves full-time in ministry. Her mom's here. Brother's on our worship team. Uh, just an awesome, awesome, awesome family. Amazing to see that in today's day and age. So proud of you, Jenna. It's awesome. That, by the way, it's a big deal for her to come in front of people. That was the first miracle. Well, maybe second miracle, but you, you have no idea. Um, but uh, she's, she's bold, though, and she's obedient. It's awesome. Amen? Well, get your worship guides out, and, or you can follow along a new version. We're continuing our series, Be a Champion. Are you guys ready to, to get the word plugged into you this morning? Um, uh, greetings from Alabama. I was just in Alabama for the last, well, I don't know, 10, 10 days, I guess it was. Um, got to spend some time with my in-loves, as we like to say. You guys say in-laws? We say in-loves down south. And uh, I love my, my, my in-laws. They're awesome people. My father-in-law is 78 years old, and, and my mom, uh, mother-in-law is uh, 73. And uh, I remember introducing them to uh, Uversion on their phones. Uh, that was a conversion experience. Um, <laughs> And uh, it's just great. Every single morning, uh, I get up very early. My mother-in-law and father-in-law get up very early, and we're all at different places in the house listening to our one-year Bible on the phone. And, and, and it just does my heart good to hear my, my mother-in-law and father-in-law listening. My father-in-law listens at a very high volume uh, now, uh, so I don't have to turn mine on uh, anymore. And i just forced to listen to whatever he's doing. But uh, they're incredible people. Uh, I got to spend some time, too, with my... Uh, you know, my wife's sister, she has two other sisters, Adrian. My, my daughter, Mallory, lives with Adrian down there in Alabama. And, uh, and then I got to see my other sister-in-law who's crazy, crazier than my wife. Some of you know my, how crazy my wife is. Uh, Allison is crazier than my wife times two at least. And uh, really, really loud. She's the girl who says, get on my level. So when she comes in, everybody has to get on her level. And she just, her, her last name's Allison. I think I've told you that. Allison, Allison. So that's confusing. Um, <laughs> and they have kids that are pretty amped up. So got to really hang, hang out with my, my nephews. They play basketball. And um, so I went with my 17-year-old uh, nephew and my 15-year-old nephew and my 22-year-old son and played with you know, the average age is about 17, and, 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 and I'm 40-something, and uh, it was fun. It was just a lot of fun playing basketball with them, and I got to work out with my daughter, and, and she's just this little CrossFit freak, and uh, just loved hanging out with my family. It was awesome. Got to go to um, uh, kind of our, our home church away from home, uh, Church of the Highlands. Some of you know Pastor Chris is my overseer uh, and, and a pastor in my life and a, kind of a big brother, father figure, whatever. Got to spend some time with, with, with them down there, and and it was just awesome being there, uh, seeing him and seeing friends. I got, my wife and I have a, a, 
you know, you guys are our family, and we have a lot of friends up here, but we do have a lot of friends down south as well. It's just kind of this other place where we go, and just, you know, I just get to be one of you. As my wife would say, I get to be one of y'all, and I, and I just kind of sat in the second row behind PC, and, uh, and I just was rubbing his shoulders when he was getting ready to go up to preach, and, and you know, just, you know, go get him, you know, and it's just good to be able to just sit back and let, you know, let you go do your thing, and I just sit here and take notes. It was awesome, and, and, uh, and then we had a conference. Do you guys care about all this stuff? I'm just telling you some personal stuff. We had a conference that uh, we go to every year. We're part of uh, what's called the Grow Network. And, and, and how many know that healthy things grow, right? Or healthy, you know, if it's healthy, it should grow. And so we're talking about how to get better as a church and how to grow as a church and grow as a leader and grow as a church. And we study, you know, what, what works and what doesn't work. And, and uh, we brought down um, from Connect, I think, 13 or 14 leaders from Connect. So some of our leaders, you guys made it possible because of your faithful contributions to the vision of the church for us to be able to invest in leaders and kind of take them from here and go and expose them to a bigger horizon. How many know sometimes you need to see, you know, to be encouraged? You know, the Bible says believe to see, but sometimes it's good to be able to go and see and like, oh, this is what, you know, this is what we're talking about or this is what the Bible's talking about or this is what our pastor is saying can happen here in New England. And so we just kind of took some people and just kind of, you know, rock their world, so to speak, and, and just showed them uh, kind of how things can uh, progress and grow. But I got to tell you, every time I go away, I'm also glad to come home. Uh, right around uh, Thursday this last week, I was ready to come home, and I still had a couple more days to go. Uh, but I, I love, love, love uh, being able to get away, but it's good to be back. Amen? So that's kind of what was going on. Um, I know you got blessed last week. Um, Pastor Jason, did he not do a great job? Is he, is he a blessing or what? I hope you guys, you, you, don't, you don't know the, 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 the man behind the, the message, you know, like, like maybe like I do or some of you do. But it would be great if you could just encourage him. You know, I just shout I listened to his message uh, on the way back on the plane, and it was fantastic. It was just a fantastic message. And uh, he has a tremendous command of the scriptures. Uh, he has a humility about him. He has grown. You have no, I mean, it is incredible. Uh, the broken young man that sat back here in this section that got saved in 2004 in this ministry to be on this pulpit ministering to you with such uh, anointing is just unbelievable, unbelievable. Woo! Got to move on. It was awesome, awesome. I'm in the, uh, the airport in Baltimore listening to the message. And there was uh, these people kind of standing, sitting around me, and I'm just like, blah, just sobbing. They're like, are you okay, sir? Are you okay? And I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. They thought like I might got divorced or something or, you know, you know, lost at the lottery or something like that. I said, no, 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 no. I'm just listening to one of my friends. Anyway, awesome stuff. Um, today, I want to continue the series. I'm going to get into it quick. Let me say this. I'm going to probably break uh, the, mess, the notes that are in front of you into pieces. So don't get alarmed. I think I'm just going to do the first point, and that's it. I was flying back last night, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was talking to me and just telling me to, to just kind of reel it in and slow it down. Uh, I sometimes, you know, 
the, the Bible says many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purposes that prevail. And so sometimes I have a plan. I'm just talking about planner. So I like to get certain things done a certain time in a certain way. And, and God just said, no, I want you to break this into pieces. I want you to slow this whole thing down. And so I'm just going to do, I'm just going to probably do one point uh, unless you guys don't really like it. Uh, uh, and then I'll just race through it all real fast and we'll go home. But uh, let me, let me start by just saying this. Uh, um, the message is called Champions with Our Change. And, and the big idea is this. We need to be a champion with our change for a change. <clears throat> it's like, I know where he's going, and I just don't like it. Um, be a champion with our change, for a change. Uh, a mentor in my life, he's gone home to be with the Lord, Pastor Billy Hornsby, um, he was a father figure to, uh, it's going to sound crazy, but to like 300 guys like me. Uh, there were guys that would, they would, they, when he was, you know, uh, dying, people flew all over the country to go see him before he, before he died. He was just that kind of an, he was very, very impactful, and all these guys were in ministry, and he was just, he was an incredible leader. But I can remember him coming to connect, um, he came many, many times, but one time he came, and he did this message, and it was called the Triple A Leader. Triple A leader. Some of you were there when he spoke on that. Does anybody remember that? Uh, um, Jam, Jam Ride, do you guys remember when, when he came and did that? And he talked about kind of, um, you know, just kind of three attributes, you know, of a triple A AAA leader. And, and basically what, you know, he was, you know, he was sharing with people is um, that in order for you to be successful, there, there needs to be kind of uh, the, the, the right attitudes, about how we look at the subject of uh, resources. And, and there has to be um, kind of a, a, an obedience. There was like an action that you had to take. And then there was also, to be able to be successful and to be able to make an impact, you had to afford to be able to do ministry. There was just kind of these different qualities of a AAA leader. And sometimes we, we don't see, but we are minimized or we have a lid on our life to be able to do what God's called us to do because of the inability to to be able to make a change because we're not managing the change that we have. We're not stewarding the things that we have. We don't have things kind of in order in our life. Are you tracking with me? And as I talk about this subject, I usually spend a good amount of time qualifying this before I talk about specifically the subject of our financial resources and, and kind of what determines your financial resources and where they go is your priorities and your relationships. And, and I'll start going off on different things because this is, a, this is an area of my life where uh, you know, where, where I didn't have freedom and I, and I obtained and have, to a certain extent, maintained freedom. God set me free in this area. So I have no um, fear about talking about this subject at all. Zero. So I will speak to you without any apology about this. Um, I've been in environments where there's been tremendous amount of abuse. And I want you to know I am fully aware of the abuse that has been seen, uh, that has been practiced, in particular in a church environment. And on, on behalf of all of them in the Church of Jesus Christ, I am sorry. I truly am honestly and sincerely sorry for the abuses when it comes to this particular subject. But I want to contrast that with what we see in our world today. The number one stress in our world today is in the area of finance. 80% of human stress revolves around our resources, financial resources. People, men worry about money more than they think about sex. That should tell you something. It's a big deal. 
And I would be a bad pastor if I did not talk about the subject. In fact, when I was reflecting upon my preaching calendar, just looking back at the last couple of years, less than 10% of the messages that I communicate to you over the last two years have been about this subject. So to say that this is an environment or this is a, um, this is a, um, this is a pulpit where there's been abuse or we just keep hammering people would be far from the truth. Is everybody tracking with me this morning? Okay, but when we talk about it, we talk about it straight, we talk about it real, and we, and we keep it, you know, really up front, because the Bible talks about it a lot, 2,350 verses regarding resources, 800 of them about financial management, it's a big deal, and again, people are struggling, Americans worry about it all the time, and I want to say also, just as a quick qualifier, I don't want something from anybody, I, don't, I really, I don't, I want something for you, but I don't want something from you. You have a choice to make whether you believe that or not. You know, there, there's a certain, uh, when you come to a church, you should come to a place in your uh, relationship with the church, with the pastor, uh, with the leadership, uh, with the vision of the church, where there's trust. This is, we call it a family. If you can't trust the spiritual under-shepherd, or let's just, let's, just, let's just keep it familial, the dad and mom of the house, then you shouldn't be in the family. You need another family where you can trust if that trust isn't there. Does that make sense to everybody? So there should, yes or no, does that make sense to everybody? Okay, so I don't want something. As a, as a father of my family, with, with, in an immediate family, a biological family, I don't want something for my kids. I want something for my kids. In fact, they really can't give me that much other than their, their respect, other than commitment, other, you know, uh, a certain amount of contribution. But I don't want anything for, I want something for, I'm trying to pass things down to them that in turn will get passed down beyond them. Does that make sense? And so I just want you to know I don't want something for me. I want something for you because we can be blessed. Our, our resources can be well-ordered and we can be filled with peace if we do the money thing um, God's way. And so this, this message is sort of a boiling pot of the entire Bible on this subject, and there are like three kind of mega principles in the scriptures, I'm just going to do one of them. But if I gave you three of them, it, it, they're basically this. It's tithing, and this is, you, you, can, you can write this down if you want to. Tithing, all right, then there's just management, responsible management, and then there's building a generous spirit. Those are really it. It's, and, and these are things that people struggle with all the time. Tithing, kind of managing our resources responsibly, seeing them right, perspective, all kinds of things on that. And then lastly, just building a generous spirit. And, and when it talks about, when the Bible talks about change, here's one thing that it says in Malachi chapter, chapter, six, chapter 3, excuse me, it says, I am the Lord, I do not change. So if there's anybody that needs to be changing, it ought to be you and me, Right? Because he doesn't change. And his principles work. He is the same, Hebrews tells us, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I'm going to give you one of these three never-changing principles. And this is the first in order of priority. It's found first, in, really, in the Bible, in principle. It's the first, I think, in order of importance because it's the one that gets God involved in your life. I don't know if you need God involved in your finances. But I bet you, I bet you, without putting any money on the table, because that would be wrong, but I bet you as an expression that you need God involved in your finances. If not today, someday. If not today, you have in the past. And this is the area that gets God involved in your, 
in your finances. Number one, it's practice tithing. And I put the word practice there because a lot of people believe in it, but they don't practice it. Can I have an amen or an oh me? Okay. So I actually love to teach on this subject because this, this, this is how I see the connection between tithing and what the Bible talks about is an open heaven. Listen, let me, let me say something to you because I, I can already feel the, the, the uh, resistance, okay? Just, there is, the Bible says in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing that I'm saying is to condemn you. Nothing. Nothing. It's just to help. It's just to help you get free. My objective is for people to be free in their finances. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I want you to be free. I want you to be free. So would you, would you just, in fact, do this. Just put your hand on your heart real quick. And close your eyes, please. Just, just honor God. I, let's just, I'm just going to pray that you, you can just open your heart. You've heard a lot of messages on this. God, they've heard a lot of messages on this kind of stuff. Mostly, mostly through um, people with ulterior motive. Mostly through people with uh, an improper understanding of the scriptures, mostly with people who are under pressure, who therefore put other people under pressure. Father, would you help all that stuff to not be on the table today so they can just hear what you would say about this subject so that you could bring, you could bring not just a transactional truth to them, not just information, but maybe something transformational because this isn't about information. This is, a, this is more, less about the physical and financial realm. It's more about the spiritual realm. It is more a spiritual thing than it is a physical or financial thing. God, touch every heart in Jesus' name with your truth. Amen. Amen. So practice tithing. You can write that in. It says, it says this in God's word that when you tithe, God will open up the windows of heaven for you. It pour out a blessing for you that you cannot contain. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think we're looking and, and we're, 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 you know, we're saying, where's the open heaven? Because there's a tendency for us when we're looking, if some of you understand and have been exposed to this, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give different people, get, get different nuggets out of this. But sometimes we're looking for an open heaven because we're, and we're not seeing because we're looking with natural eyes. But when you look for an open heaven and you're practicing tithing, you will see with spiritual eyes how God is opening up the windows of heaven in your life. I don't know if you understood what I just said, but sometimes you're, you're not practicing tithing. You're looking for the open heaven. You're not bringing the whole tithe. You're not tithing at all. You're maybe giving or you think you're giving, but you're, and you look up and you say, God, I don't see you opening up any windows of heaven. Because you're seeing through natural eyes. But when you practice tithing, it's as if a veil or scales come off your eyes where you can see how he is pouring out blessing on your life. Does that make sense? Hopefully it makes sense. So here's a friend of mine. He said this is, um, he's in the ark. His name is John Siebeling. He says, apart from salvation and the baptism in the Holy Spirit, tithing has been the most tangible and is the most tangible and immediate impact on a believer. I actually was listening to that. I was like, I absolutely concur. For, I'm not saying that's biblical. I'm just saying that's experiential. So let me differentiate sometimes different things. If it's biblical, I'll tell you. But I, as, in, as a pastor who's been doing this for over two decades, where I see the most spiritual maturation, the most fruit in one's life, where I see the most significant and immediate and tangible impact on a person's life is when they begin to tithe. That should be incentive enough to, to try it. To actually, as the Bible says, test 
God in that particular area. And I've met many, many Christians who struggle with this particular thing, but I've watched people walk in freedom because they got this area down. This, again, is more a spiritual principle than a financial one. It impacts literally every single area of your life. I... uh, um, I just wish you could understand how I feel when I talk about this. It literally, I had one pastor, he says this, he says, it's like you've discovered the cure of cancer and you're talking about it and the people won't believe you. That's how I feel sometimes when, when I'm talking about this. And so there's some things inside this particular practice, which, by the way, if, it, if it's not coming through clear, this is something I've done for over two decades, you know, 23 years. So, I, you know, I started when I was 20, you know, 20, um, I started when I was three years old because I'm only 26 right now. <laughs> I didn't have a lot then, but I started tithing. <laughs> so I knew you guys needed something there. Okay. So I've met Christians who don't have a clue about this, so let me just unpack some obvious things, okay? Number one, what is the standard, okay, when it comes to tithing? 10% is the standard. 10% of one's gross income, okay? It, I think that the percentage giving is the grand equalizer for all of us as a believer. Now, some may give more by percentage than others. Some may give more by amount, but God set a standard, 10%. And it's a way for us to have uh, equal uh, commitment, equal contribution, and equal character development. Does that make sense? So one person may have a lower income, but they're giving 10%. It's equal commitment. It's equal contribution. It's equal uh, sacrifice or character development or trust. That's what's great about the percentage. How long has it been around? Well, it, this is a huge subject, but it, the tithe spans all errors of, of, of humanity, of God's dealing with man from Abraham all the way in Genesis chapter 14, where he gave to Melchizedek, which was a type of Christ. You can look it up on your own. All the way through the Mosaic Covenant, all the way through that, up to Jesus His own words in the New Testament. Some people believe that tithing was just, you know, it's part of the law. No, it preceded the law. It was during the law. And it was fulfilled in Jesus because Jesus didn't abolish the law. He fulfilled it. But then with his own words, he actually encouraged us to tithe. And you can see things in Genesis 14 when it talks about this. Matthew 23, 23, one of my favorite scriptures, talks about Jesus' own words. Jesus says, if Jesus told you you should or you ought to do something, that should or ought to be good enough for you and me, right? Yes or no? So it's red letter edition, Matthew 23, 23. You look it up. If you, if you don't get confused. On, on, anyway, just read it. It says you should. You should do it. It's the shoulda giving. It's, it's the shoulda, coulda, woulda. The, the, you start with what you should do, then you can go to these other levels of giving. Matthew 23, 23. But it spans all generations of the Bible. What is the definition, you know? And I want to keep this again real simple and clear. It's giving the first 10% of my income to God through my local church. How do I give 10% of my income? You do it through your local church. The tithe, scripture says, belongs to God, or it is returned to God. So how does he receive it? He receives it through the local church. And percentage giving was how God would, again, do what I said earlier. Let's talk about church for a minute. Everybody want to talk about church for a minute? Okay, well, church, it isn't man's idea, just so you know. So this wasn't like, okay, the church is going to start a business, 
and uh, what can we do to kind of make, make revenue? Okay, we can tell everybody they need to give this much money every month to keep the business going. No, that's not how it all started. Church was God's idea from the beginning. And you see words through the Bible. It, it was on his heart all along. In other words, church. Ephesians 3.10 says, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known. We say all the time, and it's consistent with many scriptures in the Bible, that the church is, in fact, the hope of the world. We are Jesus' hands and feet, or as I say, and Vanessa was quoting me this morning, we're Jesus with skin on to the world. How do we actually do that? How do we be the hands and feet? We need resources to be able to do that. We need human resources, and we need financial resources. And the more human resources and the more financial resources, the more we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world. Can I have an amen out there? That's what it's all about. But, but church was on the heart of God. You see words through the Bible like temple. The Bible uses words like that, house of God, tabernacle. Sometimes it says the place where his name abides, <clears throat> storehouse, it says in Malachi. And sometimes it says right out, church. All these words were God's idea. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? And Jesus is now seated at the right hand of God as the shepherd, the chief overseer of his church. He gave his life for the church. One day he's coming back for the church, and he's hoping it's going to be ready without spot or wrinkle. Jesus is big on the church. It was his idea. Are we getting the point? So if you're going to bring your tithe to your church, that means, this seems kind of primitive, but it means you got to have one. Hmm, hmm, hmm. It's getting deep in here. You know what I mean? That's the first step for a lot of people is find a church that you can be a part of. Support the, the purpose and the vision and, and, and a place where you, you, you know, you feel connected. There's a divine flow connection. You find relationships where you trust the pastor and the pastors and the leadership. And it's key that you find a church. If this, if, if, if this is not a place, <clears throat> this is a place where you, can, where you can have that. And if this isn't a place for you, please... For the love of God and all that's holy, get in a church. You can't fulfill your purpose apart from a church. You can't do what God's called you to do. He wants to connect you with other people so you can accomplish more. No church is perfect because it's full of people. But find the right one, not the perfect one. But the church is where you bring your tithe, amen? Here's five quick thoughts about tithing, okay? Taken from Malachi primarily. And uh, I'm going to read Malachi 3, verses 6 to 10, some of you. And again, I've already contextually said we can't eliminate Malachi chapter 3 and say, oh, that's part of the law. No, tithing preceded the law. Tithing also was when the law was fulfilled through Jesus Christ in the New Testament as well. And there are other scriptures that I could show you in the New Testament as well. I just gave you one reference, Matthew 23. 23. So let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. When you look at Malachi, if you looked at chapters 1, 2, 3, you see God going after the heart of his people, which are basically saying, here's the Heisman. I'm stubborn. I'm resisting. I'm resisting in family life. I'm resisting in my faith, and I'm resisting in my finances. That's what's going on in Malachi 1, 2, and 3. Is everybody with me? So in Malachi chapter 3, he's dealing with one of the three big heart issues that are going on in the people of God. You're having a hard time in your faith? Here's your problem. You're having a hard time in your family? Here's your problem. You're having a hard time in your finances? Here's what's going on here. Malachi 3, 6 says, I am the Lord. I do not change. 
So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decree. Your Bible might say, if it's King James, I think, ordinances. That's the ordinary things that we should be doing. These are like standards, um, decrees, things like that, okay? You've turned away from that and have not kept them. Then he says, return to me. Everybody say, return to me. And I will return to you. So God's saying, hey, I left you these decrees and these ordinances and these, these, these basic standards of Christian behavior. And if you'll return to those, watch what will happen. I'll return to you. I'll return to you. Okay? That's what he's saying there. And, and then he, I'm the Lord Almighty. But you ask, well, how are we to return? I, I like to do it with attitude. How are we to return? You know what I mean? I mean, that, I think God's up there like, what? Um, how are we to return? Then he says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? He answers, in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse. Did he put us under a curse? No. We put ourselves under a curse. This is the thing. God came to, Jesus put the curse on himself. Yes, but that doesn't mean that we still can't put ourselves back under the curse. Jesus, he, he fulfilled our righteousness. He, he, he took all those things from our past and he put them on himself. Yes, but does that mean that we can never, we'll never sin again? Does that mean that we'll never get sick again? Does that mean that we sometimes can't come under financial problems? No, because we put ourselves under that again, that yoke of bondage again, by not following his decrees, his ordinances, precepts. Does that make sense? So don't say, God, God doesn't curse him. No, he's not. We put ourselves under that. So how do we do that? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe. Everybody say the whole tithe. The whole tithe. Into the storehouse. The storehouse is his church. That there may be, what's the word? Food. God wants food in his house. I'll come back to that. Then he says, test me. I'll come back to that in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. This is what we pray for in all areas of our life, that God would, that God would open, there'd be an open heaven over our life. God wants to put an open heaven over your life. He so badly wants to do that. That's how he's looking for an opportunity to do that. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks, even more. I have some insight I want to give you on that. So here's what's going on here. How do we return? We do it in tithes and offerings. Because, in, why is that so important? Because God knows your heart. He knows your heart and your money are totally connected. You just put, just, I got this money sign in my mind and I got a little heart symbol. They're connected. And he knows that. He knows that. You know it too if you're honest. We can all see that, that in this scripture we can also see that God takes tithing personal. Do you ever, do you ever, if the, how many of you parents, you have kids? Right. All right. Um, do your kids ever hurt your feelings? You know what I'm talking about? Like sometimes we get mad. I, I was getting frustrated with my daughter Morgan recently. Morgan has a, a strong, strong personality. And, and, um, and we're in kind of that breaking, you know, and building up. You know what I mean? Break, build up phase. And I, I, and I won't do a parenting thing this morning. But let, so I was talking to her and I was just, I was mad. Man, I was mad. And then she walked away and, I, and, and I'll be honest with you. I just said, get out of my sight. I just said that. Get out of my sight. And her, her, my in-laws were listening. They were like running in their rooms. Because, like, they don't see Derek get mad like that. You know what I mean? I don't get that mad very often. Stacy was like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I'm, <laughs> she's at the top of the stairs. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's all fired up, like, it's about time. Anyway, so Morgan's getting, sorry about that. So Morgan's getting a tongue lashing. I send her off, 
And then, and then it just quickly, it just, it just, I just got arrested because I know I went a little too far with it. You know, be angry, sin not. The Bible says righteous indignation, but there's an unrighteous indignation. So I said, Morgan, come back here, come back here. And I sat her, and I'm sitting on the piano. I'm playing, I'm playing the piano with her. I want to just play some music with her because she is a long story. And I said, I said, basically, I said, Morgan, do you, do you understand why I got so angry? And she said, no. And I said, you don't get it. You just, even right now, you don't get it. I'm offended. I'm offended because I just wanted to bless you. I'm not trying to get you to do anything that you didn't yourself want at one time, but now you're giving me a hard time. I'm offended. That's what I think God feels like when it comes to this subject. We're offending him. He takes it personal. He says when we don't, when we don't do it, it's, it's, like, it's like robbing him. Have you ever been robbed? I have. We were robbed right down the street here. We lived on Pleasant Street. And I remember, you know, I don't even know how to describe it, but I remember when I came home, it was in the middle of the day. We got robbed in the middle of the day. I came home, and our, the frame on our door was just, just wrecked. Somebody just literally just, like, it's as if they took a tree and just rammed through the door. And just blasted open. And th- thankfully, there wasn't a lot of stuff missing. Only personal things were missing, specifically for my wife. Things that people had given her. It was really weird. It was just, it was, it was personal stuff. And I can remember just, you know, being upset and, and uh, the door, being with the door broken through and some of the physical aspects of it. But it affected us deeply because um, all, all throughout our home, you know, there, again, there were certain possessions that were taken that were personal to us. But more than that, we were offended. We were violated because it was such a, it was such a sacred sanctuary. It was a holy place, a safe place, you know? Rob means to take from someone else and keep for yourself. It's, it's a big deal. I want you to see that. Verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, moving right along. And, and again, many don't, but God is clear here. When we do bring the tithe, it helps. What does it do? When the whole tithe is brought in, it helps feed people spiritually. Let me ask you a question. Do you feel well-fed at Connect Community Church? Okay, is this spiritual food that you're receiving right now? Might not be your favorite meal. Might be a little bit of liver and onions this morning. Okay, I understand that for some of you. You're like, I know it's good for me, but I really don't want to eat this particular meal. I was looking for the fettuccine Alfredo and some chocolate cake, but PD's not serving that up today. Okay, this isn't a smorgasbord or a buffet. Today you're getting this. All right, but you all concur, I think, otherwise you wouldn't keep coming, that the spiritual food that you receive is good. But that, that, that somebody's paying for that. Somebody's making that possible. And it is limited in some respect in terms of how many we can feed by us bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse. But God is clear here. When we bring the whole tithe, it helps feed people. And the purpose of tithing is to be sure that there is good spiritual food in God's house. Listen, pastors, and, I, and, I, and I'm not, this is not me complaining. I'm, I, I, have the, I have the privilege of coaching other pastors in, uh, in particular in, in our area, in uh, kind of a little bit on the East Coast and stuff like that. And I get to pastor churches that are not as healthy and, and robust or whatever as our particular church. And one of the reasons those churches are, not fa- are, are failing is, and, is because the pastors are getting burnt out because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're doing everything, and then they're trying to turn around and then feed the people well on Sunday morning, and they can't. They can't. I don't know if that's connecting with you. But if, if, if the reason that I can give good food 
to the extent that I can is because there are other people helping do ministry so that I can do the ministry that I was called to do. I'm not supposed to meet all the needs of the people. I'm supposed to bring the needs of the people before God, listen to God, and then feed you and equip you so that you can go help be ministers to other people. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians 4. To the extent that I'm doing that well, we're healthy. The reason we can do more of it is when people bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Then, go, then God goes on and says, test me. Test me in this. One translation actually says, dare me. No, I just want to say this. Some of you know this. Nowhere else in the Bible is that language used. So he's saying, when you do this, test me. I dare you. Imagine. I dare you, he says, See if I will not create an open heaven that blesses you too. So what's, what's that? Well, let, let, me, let me try to show you how that blessing comes, all right? Uh, uh, tithing is bringing to God what already belongs to him. We've, uh, we've kind of talked about that a little bit, but Leviticus 27.30 talks about this. In fact, I'll show you that real quick. Are you guys getting something out of this? All right, I'm already, I'm already pretty close to time. You guys good? Okay. I'm just going to read Le uh, Le Leviticus 27, just so you can see a particular scripture here. Jesus, come here. There we go. It says this, a tithe of everything. Everybody say everything. everything. From the land, whether grain from the soil or, or fruit from the tree. This is, their, this, was their, uh, this is how they did commerce back then. It wasn't cash. It was, it, was, it was the fruit. It was the land. It was the grain. It belongs to the Lord. Who's it belong to? God. It is holy to the Lord. I want you to see the tithe is holy to him. It's holy to him. You become a Christian. When you become a Christian, listen to this. When you become a Christian, your entire income becomes God's. Say, so wait a second. I didn't know that. Yep. You gave it all to him. You surrendered your life. That means, that means your income, your wallet. When people, in the old days when people used to get baptized, like crusaders used to get baptized, they'd, they'd, they'd be baptized and they'd go down in the water, but they hold their sword out while they were going under because they didn't want that part to be surrendered. A lot of people, when they get saved, it's as if they're holding their wallet out. <laughs> Not bringing that part down. No, 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 no. Don't go too deep. Don't go too deep. The, the cash will get wet. You guys catching what I'm saying? It got saved. It's supposed to, all of it became his. And the first 10% God's saying is, is mine. He names it. Actually, when you give to God, in Hebrews chapter 7, I believe it's in verse 8, the New King James, it talks about though man receives it, though mortal hands receive it, uh, handle it, Jesus receives it. So when you give your tithe, your holy tithe, set apart for him that 10%, I want you to know Jesus receives it. Jesus receives it. It's important to him. And if you take what belongs to God and use it for yourself, you're taking that which is holy and you're using it for common purposes. That is not good. If you told me, if you said to me, PD, I found a way, and here's what people think. They think it really doesn't matter. It really is not making a difference. It really, it really, I did it for a while and it didn't work, things like that. If you told me I found a way to, um, to, to, to cheat on my taxes and never get caught and I could save 25% of my income, I, I, I know how to do it. I can do it. I would highly recommend you don't do that, right? No, 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 but I've been, but then, then, then they come clean and they say, but I have been doing it and it's been working. It might work for the short term, but in the end, you're going to get caught. 
it will fail, right? We, we, we all would say that. We all would give that kind of advice. We all would say, you don't want to cheat on your taxes. Because people have gotten away with it for a while, right? And we know the stories. We've heard the stories. You might even be one of those stories. You might have had one of those stories. Know somebody with one of those stories. They tried to do that. And then eventually, there was a reckoning, right? Okay, the same thing is true when you don't tithe. It, you're cheating God. Oh, I told you I was going to put it to you straight. And so, so some people, they're obtaining worldly wealth. Worldly wealth, I'm going to take it all the way to an extreme. Worldly wealth, everything's going good, everything's going, oh, everything's going good. And, and, and Christians look at that and go, what is up with that? That's the same thing happened in the Bible. David said, why is it that they continue to be blessed and prosper and all this kind of stuff? And in Psalm chapter 71, he says, until I entered the sanctuary of God and I saw what ultimately is the, that, you're a re- that there's going to be a reckoning and that you will avenge and, and there's, there's, there's recompense for that. You see all that kind of stuff. See, sometimes we're looking, it looks like they're getting away with it. But, 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 and we look, and we look, we look over at our neighbor's lawn, and we see the grass is greener on their side. But you don't see the poop in their lawn <laughs> from where you're sitting. You don't. You don't know what's going on on that side of the equation. It's the same with tithing. Short term, it may be working by appearances, but by doing your way and not God's way, you don't know what good or bad can happen to you by not doing it. You are on your own, actually, in your finances. And I, for one, don't want to be in that situation. I don't want, I want God involved in my financial picture. And this is how I involve him in my financial picture. It's, it's also really hard to call for God's blessing in your life when we're not doing what we clearly see in God's word. When the Bible says when our hearts condemn us, when our hearts don't condemn us, the scripture says we have confidence before God. And then we have a petition or a request or, or something that we need. We can go boldly before his throne of grace. When This is what happens. When we're not obeying his basic ordinances, principles, precepts, you know, things that he says in his word, he doesn't return to us. We don't want to return to him either because we know that he's probably not going to hear us. Or when we do, we get mad because and the relationship is breached or broken because of it. Does that make sense? Okay, here's another thing. Your tithe enables your church to help people. We've already talked about that. This is how we strengthen people. This is how we help people. Uh, I'm not going to get into that all. Um, but uh, another thing is your tithe opens the door for God to move in your finances. Oh, this is a big one. Let me tell you one of the big kind of, a lot of times we focus on the, I was talking about open heaven and how we look up with natural eyes. One of the, I believe there are tangible and intangible blessings to tithing. One of the intangible blessings that I think comes from tithing is peace. In fact, you should write that down. One of the number one intangible blessings from an open heaven that comes to our lives, over your life, over your family, and over your finances, is peace. If you were a tither, you would see the open heaven in this particular area. And I believe many of the blessings are, again, not just financial. And in over 23 years of actually practicing tithing, uh, again, that's pretty good for a 26-year-old, the biggest intangible in my life is peace. You know why? Because I'm not in charge of my finances when tough times come. Uh, I, I am not the one who feels fully responsible to solve the problems when tough times come. I, when I don't know what I'm going to do, and it happens literally this year. When we went into this particular campaign, Connect the Dots, to be able to raise the money to, to do these renovations, my wife and I are all in, just so you know, sacrificially all in. Didn't know how we were going to do it. In fact, it was last summer, we were walking on the beach, uh, um, and we were just talking, walking and talking. We're thinking about, oh my gosh, Mallory's going to be going back to school. You know, Devin's still in school. We got ba da da ba da ba da all these different things that are going on. I haven't been in the dentist in like five years. All these different things. I'm just being honest. 
because I'm taking care of all these other kind of stuff. And I'm saying, how are we going to do this? And then we, we, we try to come to one mind agreement on major financial decisions. And so I said, honey, I have a number. And she's, she's like, well, I'm sure it's a big one because that's what, that's what always happens. And then I said, well, I'm sure yours is smaller than mine because <laughs> that's what always happens. And we actually had an argument about it. Then we kept walking. Then we kept walking and talking and praying. And literally by the time we came back from this three-hour walk, we both had a number. And the number came, and there were no way on earth we were physically capable of doing it. Our, we first made the decision to do what God told us to do before we had the means to do it. All right? So we just said, we're going to make this commitment. God's going to provide. Do you know why we could say that? Because we were tithers. That's why it could even be possible. Tithers always bring offerings and can. People who don't tithe rarely bring offerings and almost always can't. It's just a principle. It's just a principle. I hate that, I'm, that, that, that that's true. I wish it wasn't true sometimes, but at the same time for my personal life and development, I think it's amazing. But God has always come through. And within three months from making the decision to, we're going to do it, Lord, God provided a way to do it which probably in a couple weeks I'll share how that happened. But I'm telling you this not to manipulate you, but I honestly have seen marriages restored from this practice, bodies healed, minds renewed. You may find this unbelievable. Prodigals come home because we can boldly go before God's throne of grace because in our heart of hearts we don't hit the panic button because we have the peace that passes all understanding, keeping our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That's what happens because of it. Uh, again, uh, another thing that happens is your tithe has favor of God on it. it. Really kind of already talked about this. But the Bible teaches that the favor of God is on the first. Everybody say the first. We see this in the principle of the Sabbath. God's the, the first part of the week. We should be dedicating those things to God. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. But, but, but sometimes we don't do that. And one, one, of the, one time in Genesis chapter 4 verse 2 uh, talks about the, the story between Cain and Abel. They both brought an offering. They both brought tithing. Many people believe tithing started there, not even in Genesis 14, but actually started in Genesis chapter 4. This practice was, was innate. It was a part of, of humanity. And so these two individuals brought their offering. One was rejected by God, and one was received. You say, what, what, what's up with that? They both brought an offering. One brought his offering, the Bible says, in the course of time. In other words, when I get around to it. I'll give it once everything else is taken care of. It's what people do all the time when it comes to giving now. We give our leftovers. My wife's a fantastic cook now. She didn't used to be, but, but it's, it's, I, it's, I'm more blessed than ever. She's a great cook, and, and, but, but I've never been a big leftover person. But I tell you what, when we have guests and company and we have somebody coming around, we don't give them leftovers, Right? But that's what happens a lot of times in the church of Jesus Christ is we give him what's left over. And God looks at that offering and just, just says, I think he says, keep it. He did it in Genesis chapter 4 to Cain. Abel brought first fruits. You can see it. The firstborn of all that he had. The blessing is in the first. And one of the secrets to, uh, to, to God blessing and putting favor on your finances is before, if I had 10 M&Ms up here, and I love M&Ms, peanut M&Ms specifically. You want to bless me with those, you can. Um, just kidding. I mean, th just care about your pastor once in a while. Uh, but if I had 10 M&Ms up here, right, before, if, if you had 10 M&Ms, you were going to give me 10 M&Ms. The first one you gave me, before I get the other nine, I need to give you that one back if you were God. 
you understand what I'm saying? So when I say first fruits, it's the first thing you do. You give the first of what you have, the best of what you have. It always, a lot of people are faith. Are you guys getting something out of this? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go just another minute. A lot of people are faithful maybe giving, but they're not seeing the blessing of God. God wants you to be faith-filled in your giving. And in order to be faith-filled in your giving, it always requires you give the first. The first one always requires faith because you don't know what's going to happen the rest of the month. You don't know what's going to happen the rest of the week. You don't know what you're going to do. Some people say, I, I have a really hard time tithing because I don't really know my income because it changes. Blah, 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 blah. Well, just give, when you get a check, just write, temp, just write 10% right off the top of it every time you get paid. I, I do that, and I'm, on, and I'm on a fixed income. It's a good point, Pastor. It's a really good point. I like that. Favor means you have an advantage. That's what it means. It's a, it's a total of, I want, God wants you to have that advantage. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to pray for you guys. And, but let me just say this as I conclude. Tithing is not a money issue. It's a trust issue. It's not a money issue. It's a trust issue. And it's incredible to me, and I've said this before, how many of us can trust God with our eternity. But we can't trust him with the temporary. So I'm confident that when I draw my last breath and pass from this life to the next, that because of what Jesus did for me, my eternity is secure. But I'm not confident to trust him in the here and now with what's going on in my life, specifically in my finances. And I think you have to decide who do you trust? You or God for your provision, for your livelihood, for your income? Are you trusting yourself? Are you trusting your employer? Are you trusting government? (laughs) Are you trusting the economy? Those things will fail you. You can trust God. You can trust God. If you can't trust the place where you sow that, go someplace where you can. Please do that and contribute there. Be a part of that. Feed a lot of people. But you can trust God. And you do it with your tithe. There are people that, when they hear this, there's kind of three groups of people that, when they hear this, some people are, 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 are in a group where you've never heard this, and you're like, faith is rising up, and you're like, man, I, I never heard it, I never understood it, I never got it, and, and you're excited, and, 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 and something's happening inside of you, and, 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 and I pray that that germinates, and, and God, it's infectious, and, and, you, and you act on that, and you act on that in Jesus' name. Some of you, another group of you, are, you are tithing. And when you hear this, and you are doing this, and, 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 and you just, you know, you just, yes, and everything in you is just going, it's true, it's true, it's true, I wish I could stand up and tell you. Maybe some of you are in that tithing thing, but, but maybe you, you need to learn how to give first fruits because you, you're faithful, but you haven't seen the favor of God in your life, and you need to practice first fruits. But I would just say stay strong so you can see the favor of God in your life. But th- there's a third group, and you're uncomfortable, and, and, you, and you, know, you know it's right, but you're having a hard time receiving it and letting it fall down into your heart. God wants an open invitation into your heart so he can put an open heaven into your life. My, my, um, my daughter, Mallory, you know, she can be very stubborn sometimes. She's a little angel, but she can be very stubborn. I can remember when she was, she was in high school, you know, we would have similar issues with her that, that, uh, that I was just talking about with Morgan a second ago. And, and, um, She'd have her mindset on certain things that she just wasn't going to give up on something like that. And, and we'd have a debate or an argument about something. And so every now and then, just to make a point, I would literally lay on top of her. I'd just put her right down on the floor, and I would lay on her until she kind of surrendered. 
It's true. And I would just kind of, I wouldn't pounce on her, but I would just kind of sit on her. And, and, and finally, you know, you, you'd hear, it would go on and on and on. She wouldn't surrender. She just wouldn't budge. She wouldn't give in. And, and, and in the background, I'd hear Stacy, you know, saying, dinner, dinner's ready, dinner's ready. And then I'd say, okay, Mallory, dinner's ready. Are you, are you ready to quit? She's like, no, I'm not going to quit. I said, aren't you hungry? No, I'm not hungry, she'd say. I said, dinner's ready. Now, come on, Ma- Mallory, give it up. No, I won't. I don't care what you do. I'm not going to quit. I won't. I won't. And, and so <laughs> we'd just go on. And, and finally, I'd be like, all right, I win, you know, <laughs> and I'd get up. And she said, no, I won. You know, and we'd walk into the kitchen. I'd be oh, I'm just going to, you know, just so mad at her. And I would just, just take that illustration and just say, is it possible that a loving father is kind of sitting on top of you right now? And, and we're, you're just in stubbornness, resisting when you know here it's right. But in here, you won't release it. Would you just bow your heads and and let me pray for you? The Bible says in Proverbs, happy is the man who's always reverent. The scripture actually uses the word submitted. But he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity and have tough times. Your heavenly father is trying to keep you, protect you. One of the things tithing brings is protection and, and provision. When the devourer comes, he'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. And, but, but, but he's sitting on you right now. And he's saying, are you going to give up? Are you going to surrender? Are you going to do it my way? You have an opportunity right where you are to decide before you leave today. Don't, well, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to do that. Maybe in the fall I'm going to do that. Maybe in the, maybe, you know, I get a few things, get a few things worked out. No, you won't work them out until you do it God's way. This is the first principle. This is the first principle. Some of you need to act on it quickly. You need to do something about it right away. It's not a business transaction. This is how you worship God. It's how you show your trust in God. Some of you need to make that decision. Don't just endure this. I'm just enduring. How much longer is he going to sit on me? How much longer is he going to sit on me? Don't just endure this. Surrender to this. Now, what I find happens every time, every head bowed, every eye closed, is whenever I talk about money, somebody's heart is pricked. Somebody's heart is touched. Somebody's heart is moved by the Holy Spirit. And if you're here today and you know that God's speaking to you and drawing you to himself and, and you want to you get, get in relationship with God, you, wanna, you, wanna, you don't, you don't want to be, you know, under condemnation. You want to be in Christ Jesus. You want to be set free. You want to be whole. You want to be in relationship with him. And you're not. You've never come in a relationship with Jesus. And you don't want to walk out of here and not in relationship with him. And you came and somebody talked about money, but you, but you wanted to give your heart to Christ. Yep. It's amazing how that happens. And that's you. And you know he's talking to you. Would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me before I leave today? I want to know Jesus personally. I don't want to miss that. God bless you. Is there anybody else that says that's me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Church, would you just pray this prayer with me? I see that hand. God bless you. Church, pray this with me. And those that raise your hand, just pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to be that guy that surrenders to you my whole life. Save me fully. I surrender my mind, my body, my finances. Everything is yours. I belong to you in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray that you seal that prayer for the one that believed it. Save them. For the one that's already saved, I pray, Lord, that if they prayed that prayer and meant it, that they surrender every part of their life, including their resources, so that you can come into their life. Return to me, 
and I will return to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap for his word. Yep, yep. (laughs) All right.